electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live for the NASDAQ market side overlooking New York's Times Square, I'm Brian Sullivan, in for Melissa Lee. Welcome, everybody. Your traders tonight are Tim Seymour, Hi. David Seberg, Brian Kelly, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, one of the hottest stocks in the market, Boeing, showing some signs of cracking. And one of our traders says it is about to get worse. Plus, as stocks come under pressure this week, Bitcoin, ABK, soared, now trading back above 11,000. And BK says the crypto could emerge as an unlikely winner of any trade war. He'll explain why. But first, we start with really was a cut, a really stunning comeback for the Dow, sinking nearly 400 points at the lows of the session, only to stage a late-day rally, closed just slightly negative. And guess what? The S&P, the Nasdaq, the Russell, all ending the day higher. The market's digesting any talk of a trade war. We've got full team coverage across the nation. Eamon Jabbers in D.C., Jackie DeAngelis at a steel mill in Pennsylvania, Philip Bowe in Chicago covering the autos. Eamon, let us start with you. Another big day at the White House, including the wind, by the way, taking its toll on one of your industry colleagues, but I understand they're okay. I saw your Twitter picture. Yeah, that's right, Brian. It's a little windy here. We're standing in these tents out here on the North Lawn. I'm standing in one right now. The one that CBS uses, which is a few yards from where I am, just collapsed a few moments ago. Uh, so those are the conditions here at the White House weather-wise. Uh, in terms of policy, though, and personnel, it was another wild week here at the Trump White House as well. We saw Hope Hicks resign earlier in the week. And then this tariff rollout yesterday, uh, stunning a lot of the staffers internally, not expecting that announcement would be made when it would be made or that the president would make it at all. Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, was interviewed on CNBC earlier today, and he was asked about the intense debate that took place inside this White House before that announcement. Here's what he said. One of the things that the president encourages is healthy discussion within his immediate White House staff and within the Congress departments of any big move, because that way he's sure he has heard all points of view by the time he makes his decision. But there's only one person in Washington who was elected president. That's Donald J. Trump. And there's only one person who's going to decide who works in this White House, and that's also Donald J. Trump. Take a look at this list of senior White House officials who've been under fire in recent weeks. A lot of speculation that a lot of these people might leave the White House at some point or another. John Kelly, the chief of staff, seems to have righted the ship here. He seems to be uh, in good stead right now. Gary Cohn, a lot of speculation about the National Economic Council director, whether he'll stay in a tariff-friendly Trump administration. H.R. McMaster, the White House has been pushing back on reports that he is about to leave as national security advisor. Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, has been subjected to a barrage of criticism from the president of the United States publicly and privately. And Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law, has been subjected to some tough press this week on the issue of whether or not uh, he was dealing with people in both his White House business and his family's personal business at the same time here in the White House. So a lot of these figures under a lot of pressure, not clear who is going to stay and who is going to go. But Wall Street, of course, focused so much on Gary Cohn, 
who really lost that battle yesterday on the tariffs. I'm told that Gary Cohn made the argument during the meeting with the steel executives and the president yesterday that tariffs are bad for the global economy, bad for the U.S. economy. They would raise prices, uh, and he was effectively shot down. The steel CEOs in the room would have benefited from those tariffs. They argued against it, and the president decided to overrule Gary Cohn, go with Peter Navarro, his trade advisor, and raise those tariffs. Brian? All right, Eamon Javers, thank you very much, buddy. Great reporting. Be safe. All right, Guy Adami. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Thanks Why do you think here, the, by the way, in the storm? Sorry. Not by choice. Why do you think wow. the proposal? Why do you think <laughs> the proposal? Let him finish the question. We have 10 minutes this here. This is why I said not by choice. All right, here we go. Uh, it's a proposed tariff story. Right. Proposed. We got to remember that nothing's been enacted yet. Why do you believe that yesterday it spooked the stock market? Today, at the beginning, it did, and we had a furious comeback. Is it all just computers trying to figure it out, or is there real fear? I think that's part of it, and David can speak to that. But I got to tell you, we talked about this last night. The seeds for this move lower were sown a couple weeks ago. As a matter of fact, they were sown the Friday before we went on sabbatical for the Olympics, quite frankly. So I think the Fed's in play. I think what's going on overseas is in play. I think what's going on with Vladimir Putin is in play. And I think this was just gasoline on the fire. So yes, did it exacerbate yesterday's move 100%. But quite frankly, I think there was a very good chance we'd be around where we are with or without President what, Trump's what's tariff. What's amazing is actually the irony is, is that the market started rallying when, when yields started going back up. I mean, the tenure in some level yeah. was, was a driving force for the stock market. And we all know there's been enormous inflation fears over the last two weeks to a month. So, um, I, look, I think, Brian, it was overdone at the lows of, of the session around 1030 this morning before we staged the 40-handle recovery on the S&P. Um, but I agree with Guy. This isn't one thing. And, and, and remember, although Vol closed 14 percent lower and, you know, intraday, 25 percent move off the, off the highs, I, mm -hmm. I still think we have numerous factors that are in play here. Okay, how about this, David? Instead of saying, why did we sell off yesterday and this morning, how yeah. about I flip it? Why did we recover so much? Well, no, I, but I think it's important to figure out why we sold off. And I'll tell you why we sold off. You have illiquid markets. You have somebody that sells S&P futures overnight in illiquid markets. And you have the media wake up in the morning and look for a fundamental reason and why this sell-off has occurred. And they just, the, you know, becomes a feeding frenzy. And this, you know, fanfare just kind of it fuels a fire, if you will. But so these are real I would say, things. look, there are problems. Look, this is a big up. issue. There's no doubt. But let's say this is S&P futures aren't, aren't well, illiquid markets. Well, no, no, no. This, there is a death blow to the, this administration. If this, if he actually, in, 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 you know, enacts these tariffs, it's a death blow. There's no doubt why? because this why administration, would so very strong. That's why would you come out so because the administration's benchmark is the market, the stock market right now. That is the most important thing going into midterms for them, the success of the stock market. So for them to come out and do this, it would be tragic. And I would tell you that I believe that the, the president threw a, a shot over the bow to see what the reaction is. The global response has been so one way negative against the president. There's no way he could enact it, in when, my opinion, was, was, without massive, massive pushback. No, no, but this I, is a I, horrible. This was a horrible decision on all levels. The market was already set up in a weak state. Then you add this uncertainty but, on there. And so uh, answering your question, Brian, why did it come back? Because we inject a little uncertainty on the other way that, hey, wait a second, maybe he won't actually react on this. I, I, you know, listen, okay, actually, but but, trader, but let's, go, let's go to the numbers, though, here, because here's the thing. I could make the I think you are on to something, David, because the worst Dow stock this week is Caterpillar. OK, they make big things, a lot of metal. Right. If metal prices go up, I could see their margins coming down right. their stock. The next worst Dow stock is McDonald's. 
Okay, there's no French fry right. tariff that I know of. So to me, if we saw all the tariff-related stocks getting whacked, we could make the argument. Right. Why is McDonald's down 9% this week? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, I'm loud and clear on that. I mean, like, my perspective on why did we rally, why did we sell off, I mean, I, you know, I think Tim framed it. We probably would have been close to this area or around here in general, given the fundamental backdrop of what's occurring right now. We're at the, we're at the late stage late stage of a bull market right now. And I think that this news hitting in this late of a stage, it's, it's, it's tragic. By the way, we may be one French fry short of a happy meal on this test. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. But, but ultimately, you know, look, I, I think we have a couple things going on here. First of all, interest rates almost breached 3% at some point this week. The stock market is very nervous about what's the right valuation with rates at 3% and vol north of 15 You have a very clear agenda, I think, by the administration to do something that's market unfriendly. Uh, and I think the market overreacted. Yeah, I mean, I would just say we're still in this area where you're having a lot of volatility, a lot of uncertainty, deep into the pool here if you're a trader. All right, guys. Hey, let's go now. Let's get a technical check on this market. The market's bouncing off a key technical level. Let's talk more now about this. Chartmaster Carter Worth of Cornerstone Macro is at the plasma. Carter. A lot of it is technical. Sometimes it's that way and sometimes less that way, but it's a very technical market of late. Let's figure it out. Here's a chart with no annotations, drawings, judgments by me. Let's put in the line, and what we know is we sold off quite precisely to a well-defined trend line. Computers look at trend lines, chartists look at trend lines, individuals look at trend lines, and then after hitting the line, of course, we ricocheted. Here's the ricochet, right? So we've done a fairly violent 11.85% sell-off, followed by a big move back. The real issue is it's Downside is one thing, but can we make new upside anytime soon? Let's look at this. I've put the lines. These are the high. This is the high. You know it was a Friday, Jan 12th. This is the low, uh, February 9th. Can we actually get back by mid-year? I mean, for instance, Q1 is like right here. The odds of us getting back before Q1 are very, very low. Can we make it by June? I don't even think we make it by June. In fact, I think if we crawl along this trend line, that we're going to even still be below the high looking out further. Um, finally, the high, the low, we closed exactly to the penny at the midway point, 6.2% below the high, 6.2% uh, above the low. It's an equilibrium moment. I think we just chop around within these goalposts for quite some time. All right, Carter, great work as always. Why don't you come on over to the sure. desk? You don't ask us if he should come on. You just make a unilateral. Is this how that works now? It's, 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 it's 30 degrees and raining. It's not talking to you today. Carter, just come over on your own. Carterworth, Carterworth. We had a technician on Power Lunch today, a fairly fine program, who suggested that we are likely to get another major test coming up of some lows. I think that's as good a thesis as you could have. The point is that... We know what the high is. The 80% of people believe that after this sell-off, we would go back and, and achieve the high. We'd break out. I don't, I'm not in that camp at all. If you're going to violate one of those goalposts, it's the lower goalpost that's more at risk. Now, a lot of people look for double bottoms. We'll see. But the main thing is most money is long only. Most money has to figure out whether something has changed or whether we're just going to go on and make new highs. So, don't think so CBW, the Friday, you mentioned February 9th. That was the Friday before we had this two-week sabbatical for the Olympics day. The S&P traded down to 25.39, closed higher, off to the races the next two weeks. Did today's move mirror that? And are we in for another two weeks or so You're talking of about a the rally? Intra the intraday reversal yes, sir. close near the Why'd high. Why'd you do this? Um, it's not as, as sort of a, a cataclysmic a reversal in terms of the volume and the 
a sharp percentage decline. I think, again, you set the goalposts and you're going to be range-bound with the lower goalposts being the bigger uh, risk. Carter, yeah. when you look at European markets, DAX closed uh, through the lows. Okay, the so there's, the, there's no midpoint there. There's no, no. midpoint in Japan. No. There's no. no midpoint in emerging markets. That's right. So why is the rest of the world doing this? Well, the rest of the world was never as good on the way up. The rest of the world has problems that the U.S. doesn't have. How about, like, for instance, in the stock 600, tech weighting is about 4 or 5%. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it just has no growth. Got it. Yeah. So, guys, let's go around. Let's talk about maybe what we trade, what we bought today. Tim, anything out there strike your fancy today? Maybe you dumped something. No, I, I didn't do anything today. But, but uh, you know, I think there are places I've been watching levels in global stocks to be starting to buy. The DAX is oversold EWG or HEWG if you want it hedged. Emerging ETF somewhere around 48 bucks. Get it back above that. You buy it. I, look, I just took a pause, essentially. I think long-term it's going to work out. I think if we get more pullback, I'll buy stocks. But I think we still have a lot of risk. you think we will get another pullback? I, I think we could. I think the next few weeks are going to be very touch and go, given the fact that we've got that 301 investigation coming out on intellectual property. I think that's going to really overhang the tech stock or the tech sector. And I, I just want to see you know, weaker levels. So the one thing I do know about this market, we're going to have tremendous volatility. We're going to chop around a lot. And as a trader, you can get chopped up. So this is the deep end of the pool. You know, if you're going to buy the dips here, sell the rips Don't real swim. quick and just make sure you take those profits. You say, real go quick. to a wide shot. you got to raise your chair up there. Why? I mean, it's well, a, you say that? You're I a tall guy. Fine. You look like you're in the deep end of the pool. Well, I'm talking <laughs> about the deep me. end of the pool. I mean, technology has been hotter than a jalapeno pepper today. Look at Micron bouncing up against that $50 level. And you know what else is hot? That options action coming up in... 17, minutes. no, 17 minutes. Scott, Scotch bonnet. You hear Paris Hilton just say that's that? Hot. Say it again. That's yeah. hot. Scotch bonnet is hotter. All right, coming up, stealing value. Steel and auto stocks seen some big moves the last couple of sessions. So which group might be telling the true story about the proposed, alleged, reported tariffs? We've got the details. Plus, Bitcoin soaring BK this week as stocks got slammed, and he says the crypto could emerge as an unlikely trade war winner. He'll explain why. You are watching Fast Money Live at the very soggy NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Don't go away. Much more to do. Well, really, your stock money moving all over the place today. Take a look at the market cap impact felt from steel and auto stocks over just the past two sessions. Wow. So what could tariffs mean for these stocks going forward? Team coverage on both of those angles. Let's start with Steele. We'll go out to Jackie DeAngelis, who is live in Wheatland, Pennsylvania. Jackie. Good evening to you, Brian. Well, opponents of the tariffs say a trade war is coming. They say this is going to raise steel prices for the companies that use steel as a raw input. They also say it's going to hurt consumers. The steel industry says not so fast. We're going to weather the storm here. This is going to be good for us long term. It's also going to be good for the United States. Take a look at how one steel executive put this in perspective. The consumer doesn't buy steel. You know, we buy steel. We're the largest uh, purchaser of hot roll coil in North America. Um, what, this, what the consumer buys are products that contain steel, right? So let's take, for instance, a car. A car or a light duty truck has roughly a ton of steel in it. If, if we see price hikes here, which in the order of, say, 25 percent, you're talking under $200 a ton in steel. You're talking less than $200 of price increase to a car, right? 
So that was one executive's take, that they're going to take uh, the hardest part, the hardest hit of this initially, but that long term, this is a job-creating situation for steel companies, that they have idle plants, they're going to ramp them back up, Brian. They also have 2,300 employees here. They're giving them a $1,000 bonus when these tariffs are finally implemented. They also say it's going to add hundreds of jobs. Back to you. All right, Jackie Daniels, Wheatland P. Hard on the banks of the Shenango River. Thank you. So what does this mean for the auto sector, and what is the next possible shoe to drop? Let's bring in Phil LeBeau with more on that angle. Phil. Brian, a fair amount of speculation that we could see some targeted tariffs in the future, perhaps aimed at certain countries where there is a definite trade imbalance when it comes to the auto industry. A prime example, Germany. Take a look at the numbers from last year. In terms of how many vehicles and vehicle parts we imported, Roughly $25 billion. What did we send to Germany? Just under $7 billion. And in terms of vehicle imports, Germany is about 819,000 vehicles a year. That's mainly cars. There are a few crossovers in there, but mainly cars. And that comes out to about 4.9% of the U.S. market in terms of U.S. sales. And again, it's primarily cars and SUVs. Again, this is just speculation at this point by some people that that could be an area. And that's why you're seeing the German auto stocks under pressure. Now, the rest of the auto industry was also under pressure today. So this is not to the, just the Germany auto stocks. But, Brian, a lot of people are looking at that trade deficit with Germany, especially when it comes to the auto industry. Yeah, they certainly are. Phil Lebeau, thank you very much. All right, guys, play a Would You Rather. Oh, I like this game. Autos or steel, David Seberg? I think I'd rather steel, just from the standpoint of playing the momentum trade, at least for the short term. As a short-term trade, I like steel. Uh, I, again, I think the auto market, I think, is fine, but I think that's going to that's gonna take a little bit longer to correct. Tim, you've been long steel for a while. Yeah, and, and we could have a steel shortage in this country. It's just how moronic this policy is. We're importing 25% of our steel right now because we are short. Inventories are short. We're in seasonal demand. Autos, though. Because, again, I look at this trade. I think GM is way oversold on this. Uh, and I think if you look at as much as I, I believe in the steel story, I think ultimately uh, this is going to have a negative impact on steel at some point. And, again, these guys can import steel. There's a lot of pressure on them. Yeah, we're creating a few jobs. I want to get into the politics of that. But this isn't good, ultimately, for the steel industry. By the way, <laughs> the reason the DAX closed on the lows, it's the largest export economy in the world. It's taking it on the chin. Yeah. Oh, very interesting stuff. All right, guys. Well, for me, it's the autos, too. I'm, I'm with Tim on this. L listen, the autos were, were down before all this happened, right? So you've got something. You've had the sentiment already into this that's horrible. Now, again, talk about, like, what happened with the market today. Why? Because there's uncertainty that maybe this doesn't happen. That's going to directly benefit the autos. So if I'm going to, as a trader, I want to be in GM and I want to be in Ford for next week. Real quick, because I know we're up against it. Steel, in my opinion. Listen, even Bank of America downgraded U.S. Steel today, but they raised their price target to 50 bucks. That's a significant move even from where we are now. So we talked about, we did this thing called power pitch on the show last night. We power pitched Cleveland Cliffs. I think Trump is going to stay with this for the foreseeable future, which means shorts going to have to cover, which means names with a huge short interest like CLF go higher. Well, I mean, we, we could have steel short steel shortages in this country, especially if these tariffs are enacted. So, you know, ultimately this gets to a place where a lot of these guys, there's an arbitrage right now in buying steel outside of the country and importing. The strange thing about it is these steel companies are going to have to go into the open market and buy hot roll coil. Uh, and Which, I by think the way, the prices yeah. are at multi-year highs. Yes. I mean, this is not a market where the prices are depressed. Right. The hot rolled steel market has gone up by 35%. We could in get to 900 months. bucks by in the spring. a couple spring. of months. I, I, Brian, and, and, you know, frankly, this is why I've said these guys are free cash flow positive. Guys, right? I just think after I moved from 19 to 44, um, a lot's in there. All right. Good discussion, guys. Still ahead.
It is, or maybe was, the king of the Dow, Boeing. But there is something in the charts that suggests that the air might be coming out of the soaring stock. We'll give you the details on why. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. And I can't deny the fact that you like me. And investors hope the Academy likes Netflix as the streaming giant goes for Oscar gold. We'll tell you what a win could mean for the stock. Plus, Fast is going west, heading to San Francisco in search of digital gold. We're at the most important blockchain conference in America to talk to the biggest names and investors in Bitcoin, including Jamal Palihapitiya of Social Capital, John Burbank of Passport Capital, the CEO of Ripple, and the president of Coinbase for one explosive hour that will rock the crypto universe. That's next Tuesday at 5 p.m. <laughs> All right, I know I'm on air. I'm trying not. Welcome back. These guys are ridiculous. Welcome back to Fast Money. A top question on most investors' minds these days. How do you hedge your portfolio against a possible trade war? Well, take a look at this chart. Bitcoin outperforming the broad market this week. So could Bitcoin possibly be maybe any kind of a trade war winner? BK, please break it down for us in sure. a crypto class. Well, let me make the case for this. So what happens during a trade war? You get a weaker currency. We saw the dollar fall over the last couple of days when this news came out. You get higher prices or inflation. And generally speaking, what you want to own are hard assets. So a lot of macro fund managers are out there saying, Paul Tudor Jones saying, I want to own hard assets. The other way that you used to be able to hedge it was with gold. But you know what? Now we have Bitcoin. Bitcoin has a fixed supply. It acts exactly like a hard asset, exactly, exactly like a commodity. In fact, some people might even argue it is a commodity. It's the new gold. So in this environment, I want to own those things that are deflationary fixed supply in an inflationary environment. And look at what Bitcoin's done over the last couple of days. I think people are starting to use this as an asset class that you want to hedge with. So that's my case for Bitcoin in the trade war. I think it does well. But Brian, it just seems the volatility in Bitcoin, I hear you, those things kind of make sense. But it gets back to that store of value, which, by the way, I've never argued Bitcoin to be, okay? So, but it has to be if it's going to be a hedge. Well, it does have to be, but it's, it's more of a digital gold store of value. Gold has, has volatility. In fact, earlier this year, before the recent volatility, Bitcoin was less volatile than gold. So it does go through those periods. It's an emerging type of currency, so or an emerging store of value. Okay. It is time now for the final trade. Let us go now around the horn. Tim Seymour. Tactical. You can buy Alibaba here. Pull back too high. Rally back. Tactical Baba. Ah, I'm going to give you a crypto play. Ad token. ADT.X. ADT.X. Check it out. It produces fraud in advertising on the Internet. Okay. BK. Uh, well, for me, it's Overstock. Yesterday, you saw the SEC do a bunch of subpoenas in the cryptocurrency world. Overstock was one of them. It's simply just to gather information, make sure they do everything right. They're doing everything right. OSTK, you buy it. All right, Guy Dami. What better on a stormy Friday afternoon than to sit back with a cold one and enjoy options action coming up in the next a cold one. 20, 22 minutes and a 30 cold seconds. One. A cold, cold one. Cold. Okay. In the meantime, you might want to look at Red Hat, RHT, reports earnings at the end of the month, traded very well this week, Brian. Please put your hat on. <laughs> They're making the reason I was stumbled at the top guys. They were making fun of my hat. But listen, that does it for fast money. Catch us <laughs> back here at 5 o'clock Eastern. But don't, you all, right, all right, all right, all right. Options, action. Listen, keep my head dry. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. 
specialised across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.